Hi, you're listening to the Sermon Podcast of Impact Church in Fredericksburg, Virginia. I'm Pastor Brandon, the church planter and lead pastor. We are a new church in the D.C. area that is centered on the gospel and sent to our neighborhoods, Northern Virginia, and the nations. Please visit our website at www.impactfxbg.church. There, you'll find our current meeting times and locations. Our prayer is that you are encouraged by the message you hear today and fall more in love with Jesus and others. Thanks for listening. Awesome. Hey, uh, if you have a Bible with you this morning, go ahead and get that out and turn with me to the book of 1 Timothy. We are going to be in 1 Timothy chapter 6 this morning. 1 Timothy chapter 6. We did it. We made it to the last chapter in 1 Timothy. So we, we did good, and you guys did good, and uh, it's been crazy. So I'm so thankful for this opportunity we have to gather around God's Word. If this is your first time to church, or your first time to church in a while, I uh, want to just encourage you uh, to use your Bible, or you can look on with someone, or there's also an app for it. So you can uh, use your cell phone or your tablet and uh, download an app. I use one called Version, Y-O-U Version, and you can download that, and you can follow along in the Scriptures today. Uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6. But before we uh, dive into that today, I want to just say a couple of things because uh, this has been a really incredible uh, sermon series. And I've taught through uh, 1 Timothy in lots of different contexts to small groups and to leaders and to churches and to different uh, times. But there's just been something different about teaching through 1 Timothy uh, now, especially post-COVID, like like coming out of COVID and from the last few years. Um, that I like I've taught through things I'm like well this is kind of a difficult passage you know but I feel like uh, now everything is so heightened especially like as a church and like as church people Uh, and so uh, I just want to say like in the last few weeks we have covered all sorts of crazy topics uh, as we've talked about being the crazy awkward family of God right Uh, the the church of the living God Uh, so we've covered like women's roles in the church and uh, we've covered how to take care of widows and how to deal with church hurt and how to honor pastors even if they hurt us like like we have those are some heavy intense stuff and so I'm sure our community group leaders who have done a fantastic job by the way community group leaders we want to thank you guys so much for shepherding us through that but I know they're very excited when we can just get back to the book of Psalms you know what I'm saying like we just kind of get back to a little something else and uh and do that but that is not that that is not today that is not going to happen today Uh, We got one more kind of issue that we want to talk through um, as a church family. Uh, So, but I want to say like not just to our community group leaders, but thank you guys as a church for graciously letting us walk through scripture. Um, Like we didn't sit down and go, okay, what topics do we need to really nail to impact church uh, this year? Like we didn't do that. We just said, hey, 1 Timothy talks a lot about how to start a church and what relationships look like inside of a new church. And so we are a new church who's building relationships, so maybe that would be a relevant book for us to study together. And, uh, but it does. It does have some hard and awkward conversations sometimes for us to have. And so I wanted to personally just thank all of you for the grace in which you've had these conversations, for the ways in which I've, I've talked to our community group leaders, and they've talked about how like we've just searched the scriptures together and sought God together and, and had unity in our 
church. And I just want to say, like, covering some of these topics is oftentimes not a source of unity for a church, but a source of division for the church. And I just want to say, like, as a pastor, how much it means to me and as your brother, like, how much it means to me that we can open up God's Word, talk about it, and we may have different opinions, and we come from different backgrounds, and come from different perspectives on things, but we can all come together and say, but it's God's word, and we love God, and so we will just cling to God together, and I, I just wanted to say thank you from the bottom of my heart, um, but don't give up on me now, all right? We got, we got one more passage I want us to talk about that I believe that the enemy has used um, and even as I was praying this week, I was even trembling in prayer, not because I was nervous or not because of us and our time together today, but because of thinking through if a lot of other churches and friends that I know who are pastors were to bring a passage like this today and some of the problems that it may cause inside of the church. And I just believe the enemy is even using something like the word of God that is supposed to unite us on mission and unite us to our devotion to the Lord. He's using even in the words of God to sow division within our hearts and within the church. And uh, so I just want to say, man, thank you guys for not letting this be a safe place to sow division and not letting this be a safe place for the enemy uh, to have his way. And so, uh, so uh, today we're going to talk about something that um, I don't think is controversial, but uh, the problem is everybody looks at the Bible through different lenses. You know what I'm saying? Like we all have different life experiences. We all have different things that make us impact church. And one of the visions that God gave us for impact really early on was to be a multi-generational church, a church where I mean, it didn't matter how old you were, that we were not going to show ageism, that from the smallest to the oldest, like we were going to love and cherish you and you were going to have a place at Impact Church. Like we decided that up front. We decided early on we wanted Impact Church to be a multi-ethnic church, a church that says, man, we care so much about reaching the nations that we want all sorts of people to come. So if we got to change, you know, the snacks that we have, if we got to change the music that we see, if we got to change like whatever, it's fine because we want a place where people from every race, every ethnicity, every background can come and worship God together. We said we want to be a place that, that combines like the crazy, even political division, to have a church where you can look around and go, man, we disagree on almost everything politically, but this we agree on, Jesus is the Lord, and we worship and praise him together, and we have this weird, unexplainable unity together, not because of any of these things, but because of the blood of Jesus right? And so here's what I want us to do today. I want us to use our correct lenses when we walk through scripture. Now, we should always do this, okay? But I want, us to, I want to kind of walk us through and show us how to do that today. So what that means is sometimes we open up, maybe we've been watching, uh, oh, I all of a sudden can't see anybody. All of a sudden, I should get that checked out, I think, actually. Um, all of a sudden, you know, we've been watching a little too much news or we've been scrolling through our news app and then we go to open up God's word or we listen to a pastor and we put our news lens on. And we put whatever political commentary we fancy on. And we begin to open up God's word and read it through the context of whatever the news said or whatever our political party said. Sometimes um, we use the lens of um, our, uh, our political party. Then we say, well, you know what? I was raised a Democrat or I was raised a Republican or I was raised a Libertarian or I was raised an Independent. And so what we do is we come in when we open up God's word or we listen to it, we put on our political party lenses. 
and we say, well, that can't be right. Or we kind of twist and turn Scripture to fit what the agenda that we're bringing to God's Word. Sometimes we do this with even our gender, right? Like there have been instances where men can take parts of Scripture out of context and cause it to be abusive to women because they think their gender is, makes them superior, right? And we can do this with gender. We can do it with, with race and ethnicity, and we're going to look into some of that today of like how people have done that. So here's my encouragement for you. We are not, as a church, going to look through the Bible through any of those lenses. And I would encourage you not to look at the Bible through any of those lenses. It's not that you can't have those opinions, Okay, it's just when we take God's word, God's word was not written to a political party. God's word was not written to a certain ethnicity. God's word was not written to a particular leaning of preferences. God's word was written by God for the glory of God, period. And that's how we read it. So here's the lens that we look through. Christ came. Christ died. Christ rose again. And Christ is coming back. That's the lens that we read Scripture through, all right? So I hope that that's helpful to us today. Um, not that I, I just kind of wanted to show, because if we're not careful, I'll even start reading Twitter or having my own opinions, and I'll start reading Scripture, and I'll go, you know, I think in today's day, this means this. It may not have meant that 50 years ago, but I think it may mean this today. And guys, that's not the correct lens. That's my personal preference lens, okay? The right lens is that Christ came, Christ died, Christ rose again, and he's coming back, all right? So with that in mind, let's read uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6, and let's start in verse 1. 1 Timothy chapter 6, starting in verse 1. It says this, if you're there, say, I'm there. Let all who are under a yoke as bondservants regard their own masters as worthy of all honor, so that the name of God and the teaching may not be reviled. Those who have believing masters must not be disrespectful on the ground that they are brothers. Rather, they must serve all the better, since those who benefit by their good service are believers and beloved. Teach and urge these things. So we're going to stop right there today, and we're not going to get very far, because I, I think that this is really important. Like, here's what I want to do. As a pastor, I want to read that and say, oh, he's not, <laughs> I know he's talking about slavery in the church, and slaves are supposed to obey their masters, but that's not relevant to us today, so let's get on to the good stuff, all right? That's like what I'm tempted to do. But the fact is that it's here. It's in the Bible. And for some of us, even from some of our backgrounds and perspectives, may read that and go, okay, I know we can jump over that, but, but hold up, why is it there? So we can start to ask questions, right? Like, um, and this is what some people would ask. Does the Bible promote slavery? And I think, like, that's a reasonable question to ask based on these passages. Now, the answer is no. The answer, like, I don't want to make you wait. Okay, the answer is no. But I do think it's a, it's a reasonable question if you're just reading the Bible for the first time and you take this and just read it, okay? You might even ask the question, does God promote slavery? So, like, I know this is in the Bible, but is this part of, like, God's heart and God's plan? Like, does God promote slavery? So uh, let me help you out here. When reading Scripture, there's three things that you really have to keep in mind, okay? Three things that are really important when reading scripture that um, are going to help you in your scripture reading. I want you to write these things down. These are things that are going to help you every time you read the Bible, okay? 
three most important parts to consider when reading the Bible. The first thing is the context of the Scripture. You need to really understand, like, what is it, like, what is the context? What is it, what is the scripture saying? What was said before that and what was said after that? And don't just take it, you know, and and cherry pick one verse, okay? Here's number two. The second most important thing is context. You need to make sure that you understand the context of the passage. Because if not, then none of the rest of it makes sense, okay? The third thing is you need to understand the context of the passage. Do you understand? Okay, context, 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 all right? So with reading scripture, let me tell you a dirty, evil trick. You can take any verse in the Bible, cherry pick it out, and use it to mean whatever you want it to mean to fit your own agenda. Always be careful when you're listening to pastors and you're listening to other teachers teach the Bible, when they pick a random verse out of the Bible of a book you've probably never even heard of and use it and read it one time and then talk for 30 minutes about whatever they want. Always be weary of that. And I'm not, I don't want to speak bad about, I know pastors and preachers that teach like that. We don't teach like that here at Impact Church, but the reason why is because I don't want you walking out of here knowing what Brandon thinks about Scripture. I want you walking out of here knowing what God meant in Scripture. And so, guys, that's why this is important. So to really understand why the Bible speaks about slavery like this, you need to understand the context of slavery, the history of slavery. See, for most of us, uh, if you've grown up, I, I realize not all of us have, but if you've grown up in the United States of America, and a lot of us think that the United States created slavery and that that was something we did 250 years ago. But, guys, this is a, this is a historical Thing. And so I want you to see, I've actually put a slide up that's got a QR code uh, on it. And they're going to put that up because for sake of time today, I did not want to give you a history lesson on slavery, okay? I want to get to God. I want to get to God's word. But I also don't want you to think I'm taking things out of context or making assumptions, all right? So for sake of time, um, I put a QR code. What this does gonna, should take you to a Google Doc, and uh, you should be able to take a look at what I cut out of my message today. You're welcome to save you a little bit of time, all right? Because ain't nobody need an hour-long message when you've already lost an hour for your day, all right? Um, so you guys can scan that. Um, but I'll just kind of give you a... A rundown is is really like um, it really started like we get the history of slavery in the book of Exodus um, in the Bible under Hebrew slavery and then then it moved over to um, Roman slavery in the Roman Empire and then eventually to indentured servitude of people moving from Europe uh, when they were discovering uh, places like North America and then we see the the African slave trade um, the the horrid evil of that and so. Um, Um, So that's kind of the history of slavery. But here's what you need to know. Every four of those, every one of those four that you could scan. um, Did anybody try to scan it? Did it work? Okay. Any of those four, they're all different. Okay. And what you've seen is that slavery has evolved over time and has just become more and more evil over time. Okay. Um, So here's what you need to know. Two things that you need to know about the history of slavery. So that document is yours. You can take it home. You can read it. You can email me if you have any questions. My email address is wes, that's W-E-S, at impactfxbg.church. All right. 
Number one, welcome to the team, Wes. All right, number one. Uh, here's what you need to know. If you're taking notes, two things you need to understand about the history of slavery. Number one, slavery was not part of God's creation. Slavery was not part of God's creation. It is a product of sin. Period. Like you read Genesis chapters 1 and 2, slavery's not there. You skip over to the back of the Bible, not to the maps, but to Revelation chapter 21 and 22, all right? Revelation 21, 22, slavery, not there. That's the new creation. So you got creation without sin, no slavery. New creation without sin, no slavery, okay? Slavery was not a part of God's creation. It was a product of sin. And number two that you need to know is biblical instructions concerning slavery do not imply biblical approval of slavery. Just because the Bible is giving some instructions about something doesn't mean the Bible approves of that. There are a lot of sins that the Bible addresses, okay? And just because the Bible addresses how to interact with a sinful behavior does not mean the Bible affirms that sinful behavior. For example, we know that divorce, for example, it's not a part of God's plan or will for our lives. However, the Bible does address it because in, the, in this fallen world of sin that we live in, it's a, it's a reality. And so what God did in his grace and mercy to us was said, hey, this isn't my first plan for you, but like I'm going to redeem it. I'm going to give you some boundaries and some rules to live by. And that's what's happening right here in Scripture. Okay, so now let's go back. Now that we've kind of talked about a little bit of the history of slavery, I just wanted to clear up, you know, if there's any questions or doubts about what's going on. I just wanted to kind of clear that up and let you know up front what we're dealing with. Now let's go back and read 1 Timothy 6, verses 1 and 2 again. Let all who are under a yoke as bondservants regard their own masters as worthy of all honor, so that the name of God and the teaching may not be reviled. Those who have believing masters must not be disrespectful on the ground that they are brothers. Rather, they must serve all the better, since those who benefit by their good service are believers and beloved. Teach and urge these things. So let's understand the context of this passage. Number one, Paul is writing to a new church. And in this new church, I want you to think about how cool this is. In this new church are people under the yoke of slavery and those who consider themselves masters. And so first of all, we can go by and go, oh, I just that makes me uncomfortable, I don't like that at all. But I want you to think about what a miracle it is that those two types of people can coexist and come together in the same room for the same purpose, doing the same thing. Only Jesus brings those people together, okay? So I want you to see the power of the unity of the gospel. Like the power of Jesus to bring the most unlikely of people together to worship. But I also, it speaks to the diversity of the church. And most of the time, like especially at the time this is written, Roman slavery, slavery wasn't always based on ethnicity or on race. In fact, it was most commonly based on economic status, which could be part of a systematic problem. But in this instance, what we see is that one-third of the Roman Empire were slaves. One-third. That is almost 60 million people 
in the Roman Empire are slaves. Now, the reason that's important is because Paul is addressing something that no doubt was impacting and affecting the church of Jesus Christ. Like in this moment, they're, they're getting together and they probably got all sorts of problems. And so Paul is going, no, 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 let me, let me set the record straight for you guys. This is how I want you to act. Not affirming slavery, but just saying, this is how it is. Paul's going, I'm not going to change 60 million people overnight. And so to preserve the unity in God's church, this is how I want you guys to act. So what do we learn about God's heart from slavery, for slavery or from slavery mentioned in the Bible? What do we learn about God's heart when it comes to slavery mentioned in the Bible? And I want to tell you a couple of things. Number one, the Bible condemns slavery that undermines God's creation. The Bible condemns slavery that undermines God's creation. A lot of times we, we think, right, that behold, um, all men are created equal. And when you hear that phrase, who's the first person you think of? Anybody? history class nobody wants to answer you think of George Washington okay Lincoln okay thank you I think of Abe Lincoln but yeah yeah any founding father is fine is fine sure you can't go wrong with that yeah George Washington Abe Lincoln right whoever but that's who we think of right we think of American history in this context if you grew up in this country that's usually what you think of but let me tell you it wasn't Abe Lincoln or George Washington who came up with all men are created equal that was actually God's idea Because in Genesis chapters 1 and 2, God creates man and woman in his image. Like man and woman, humanity, all of humanity, all of offspring that would come from Adam and Eve was created in the image of God. You here today, no matter your age, no matter your gender, no matter your race or your ethnicity, you are made in God's image. You are made in a beautiful, wonderful, amazing image of the creator who knows you and loves you. Like that's who we are. The Bible condemns slavery because slavery undermines his creation. His creation is perfect. So listen, don't buy the lie that America came up with the ideal that all men are created equal. That was always God's design. So if your country fails you in that regard, if you feel like that, whether as a Christian or you know, spiritually, religiously, uh, racially, like however you may feel like, if somebody just know it was never your country that upholds it, run to your creator. Because it is the Lord God who upholds Imago Day, And you are safe and protected in his arms, brothers and sisters. Number two, what we learn about God's heart is that the Bible condemns slavery that undermines God's word. So it condemns slavery that undermines God's creation, but it also condemns slavery that undermines God's word. How do I know this? Well, there's a few things. Number one, because the Bible condemns physical abuse. So if physical abuse exists in slavery, then the Bible is absolutely against it because the Bible is against physical abuse. Did you know in Exodus chapter 21, if the master did anything to physically harm the slave, the slave had to immediately be set free. 
That was God's protection and provision of the slave. To say, hey, if you guys are going to do this, if you guys are going to have to have this system, then here are the rules. You don't physically harm anybody. That was God's heart of protection. Um, here's, here's what else I know. I know that the Bible condemns slavery because I know the Bible condemns human trafficking. I know that. I don't know how aware you are that human trafficking is actually the second largest and fastest growing industry in the world. Did you know that? Did you know that human trafficking, it is the fastest growing, that in the next 20 years, it will be the number one moneymaker in the whole planet, human trafficking. There are estimated 27 million slaves in the world today. And church, I think this is important because oftentimes we as a country, we try to turn our eye to that. And when we think slavery, we think of the, the horrible evil of the African slave trade. And, and we should take a moment and be humiliated, humbled by that and go, man, God, what an evil like thing. But at the same time, church, we should not just become apathetic and forget that slavery still exists in the world today. Did you know that human trafficking not only exists in the world today, did you know it exists in the United States of America today? Did you know that a lot of those um, slaves of human trafficking are in our country? Did you know that a lot of them are in the state of Virginia today? Did you know that? Did you know that there are slaves of human trafficking in Fredericksburg, Virginia today? Did you know that? Do you know that just a few weeks ago, after Christmas, we had just another bust in our city of, of breaking up a human trafficking ring right here in Spotsylvania County? Like, like this exists. This isn't something that we just say, oh, Brandon, that's so archaic. This isn't relevant to my life. No, it is. Here's the other reason I know that the Bible condemns slavery, is that the Bible condemns unregulated slavery. What I mean by that is God mandated that slaves be taken care of physically, that no physical harm become them, that they be taken care of financially. Like most of the time in the Bible, slavery represented a temporary workforce that you would come in, you would work for someone for a period of time until you were able to pay off your debts, and then you would be set free. Most of the time in the Bible, that's the system that it's talking about. Sure, that system was abused, but you know why? Because it was run by a bunch of sinners, all right? So anything is abused when it's run by a bunch of sinners. But that was the system that was there. God, when he discovered that slavery was now part of the fallen world that he had created, he said, man, because of your sin problem, then let me just tell you, you will physically take care of these people. You will provide for them financially. You will provide caring supervision for them. And eventually, you will set them free. Did you know that in the Bible, in the Old Testament, that every seven years, slaves had to be set free? Every seven years. So when the Bible is talking about this, you need to understand it's, a, it's actually a little bit different of a context than what we might be used to. God cares so much about those who are being practiced injustice 
that he says, okay, if it's good for them, that's fine, but you will take care of them. You will meet their needs. You will supervise them with, with care and with love. And then in six years um, or seven years, you will set them free. And that most slaves in the Roman Empire at the time this was written were set free by the time they were 30 years old. Now, that doesn't make it right. I don't want you to hear me say, well, Brandon's advocating for a system. Of, okay, that's not, that's not it at all, all right? What I want you to understand is the context in which this church was living in under the time that Paul wrote these words to them. And so, because of this scripture, Paul says, here's how I want you to interact with each other. Remember last week we talked about respecting and honoring our church leaders? And we talked about how sometimes that can be really hard because sometimes our church leaders don't always obey scripture. And sometimes our church leaders don't always seem worthy of respect or or honor. You know, we talked about how that can cause hurt and frustration and things. Well, guys, Paul is now addressing a very similar thing, just in a different type of relationship among masters and slaves that are going to church together. And personally, I think it's absolutely a miracle that this is even happening in the church. Like, I think it speaks to the diversity of the church. It speaks to the, their need, their want to reach all people. Again, not justifying the behavior or what's happening, but just saying I think it, it shows that. Because I think about what's happened in our own city. Like, I think about in Fredericksburg. Now, a lot of things happened before I moved here. And so I still, to this day, like, sit down with people, and I'm like, tell me about, tell me about 2020. Tell me about 2021. Like, what? I hadn't lived here yet. I, I didn't know. And, man, people's eyes get big, and they go, Brandon, you wouldn't believe what happened in this city. You wouldn't believe what this city went through, what the churches went through in this city. And, uh, and in some ways, like, I'm grateful that I missed that. But in other ways, I'm like, Lord, man, I wish I could have been here. Maybe you could have used me to, to use our church, used Impact Church to, to make good. But I, I just think, like, through that, one of the things I've learned is that a lot of the churches that we have in downtown Fredericksburg were started because they, the masters did not want to go to church with their slaves. Like if you look out to an aerial picture of downtown Fredericksburg and you see all the steeples, you know, you see all the steeples, they're beautiful, they're historic, they're amazing. They're the reason when people say, where are you planting a church? And I say Fredericksburg, they say, oh gosh, doesn't Fredericksburg have enough churches? And I'm like, oh, you've been downtown. They just see the big steeples and the big buildings, you know what I'm saying? And, and that's enough, they go, oh, I don't know. Well, guys, listen to me. Most of those churches, I'm not saying all of them. I haven't finished my history uh, of reading all of them. But so many of the older historic churches downtown that were in existence during the Civil War, most of them started because they, the masters did not want to go to church with their slaves. They wanted to racially divide how they worshipped. That is the history of the city in which we live. Church, we get a chance to see Jesus redeem that. And he has been. This isn't just starting because now we're here, okay? This is something Jesus has been doing. And in God's, in God's sovereignty, we get to be a part of telling that story of redemption through Jesus. So ultimately, that's what we want, okay? Um, the Bible encourages three things, just to, to show you through this passage. Um, the Bible encourages slaves living in this imperfect condition. So I want you to imagine that you are in this imperfect condition. You're one of the 60 million slaves in the Roman Empire. You just accepted Christ. You've come to Christ. You've started going to church. And, uh, and this is what Paul tells you. Number one, honor your unbelieving masters for the advancement of the gospel. 
So when you're at church, honor them, even though they're not believers, honor them so that maybe one day they will come to Christ. Like, honor them. Notice Paul isn't giving them these instructions for abuse. Paul is giving them these instructions because the heartbeat of his instructions all throughout this letter has been that the gospel will advance. That's his heart. His heartbeat is, guys, whatever you got to do, get your stuff together so that the gospel can keep advancing. That we don't have time for all this separation, this division, this grumbling, this complaining. The world is on fire. <laughs> and the, my church is just hanging out, arguing about things that have already been decided in God's heart. Like he's saying, we've got to advance the gospel. So if that means... <laughs> that you've got to honor this unbelieving master in your life. Do it for the sake of the gospel and pray for them night and day that Jesus might transform their life because of how they see you live. Number two, Paul tells them, honor their believing masters for the glory of God. So he says, man, some of you are going to church together. Honor them and give glory to God. So that everyone can look at the way you interact with each other and go, man, that's not normal. If that was me, I'd straight up peace out. If that was me, man, I'd sock him in his nose. If that was me, man, I'd do something totally different. And Paul says, no, among you, let it be different. So that everyone who sees your relationship and how you live in peace and how you honor one another will glorify God in heaven. Do you sense a theme that maybe these themes that have brought so much division in the church over the last few years aren't actually about the church? That they're actually about him, God, and his glory, and his fame to the nations? Like maybe we've missed the whole point and the whole thing. Here's the last thing he says, number three. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. He says, man, I want you to work wholeheartedly for your believing master. Like I want you to work wholeheartedly. I don't want you to cut corners. I want you to glorify God and honor God through the way that you work. Guys, all of this is because ultimately what we want is redemption. Okay, the point of all of this is because ultimately what we want is we want to see redemption. In fact, um, a lot of times we hear that word, and it's an inspiring word, isn't it? Like if, if there was a movie coming out, and it had a cool enough trailer, and then it popped up, and it was like, redemption coming soon, July 2023. Like, you would be like, oh, we got to go check that out. We're going to go see redemption. Like, that's so cool, you know? And uh, here's the thing, like, redemption is a really great word, but do we really know what it means, all right? So, uh, so that's what I want you to do. I want you to go home and look up what it, I'm just kidding. I'm going to tell you right now. Redemption, if you're taking notes, redemption is the act of clearing a debt, Redemption is the act of clearing a debt. It is regaining possession of something in exchange for a payment. Redemption is the act of clearing a debt. It is regaining the possession of something in exchange for a payment. And guys, that's ultimately what we want to see happen. But isn't that exactly what Jesus has done for us? Like, isn't this exactly what Christ has done for us? And uh, I'll, I'll, worship team, you guys can go ahead and come up, but don't put your notes away because we're just now getting to the good part. It's like, I want you to see what Christ has done for us, that Jesus has redeemed us. 
See, guys, our sin made us slaves to sin. Like when you were born, nobody had to teach you how to sin. No one had to teach you how to disobey. Am I right? Yeah. Some of y'all need to rat your spouses out a little bit. All right? It's true. If you don't believe me and you go, Brandon, there's no way. There's no way cute little innocent children can sin. You need to come babysit my sweet Evangeline (laughs) just for an hour. God made her cute so that she could survive this this world. Okay? She is. She's the sweetest and the cutest little three-year-old that I've ever seen except for the two that came before her. She is awesome, and she is a wretched sinner. She just is. She did it this morning. I mean, I feel like someday she just is sinning in her sleep just to get a head start on the day. Now, y'all laughing about my three-year-old. You need to be careful. All right, I'm just kidding. Guys, the fact is that I didn't have to teach Evie how to sin. I didn't have to teach her that. She came already knowing how to do that. What we call that in the theology world is a sin nature. It means that every single one of us were born with a bent to sin, to walk away from God and to go our own way. And what that makes us is slaves to sin. See, church, make no mistake, we are all slaves in this room. It is just a matter spiritually if you are a slave to your sin or if you are a slave to Christ. But make make no mistake, we are all in bondage to something or to someone. And praise God (laughs) that in his mercy what happened was because of our sin, we owed a debt. And the debt that we owed to God, to have a relationship with him, to be set free, to have freedom, to get out of our slavery of sin, the debt that we had to pay required the sacrifice of a perfect life. That was the debt. The problem is, nobody who's a slave to sin has a perfect life to offer as a sacrifice. And it created this vicious cycle of guilt and shame until one day God looked down from heaven and said the wait is over. And he sent his son Jesus, who was fully God in heaven, but also fully human, just like us. And Jesus walked this earth. The difference is between us and Jesus is that Jesus walked through everything we walked through, but he did it perfectly, and we do it in a broken way. Jesus did it perfectly, and we do it in a broken way. So in his perfection, God decided that he would accept the sacrifice of Jesus' life to pay our sin debt. And so Jesus gave his life. No one made him. The Roman soldiers did not arrest him. And he, he could have called, the Bible says he could have called down angels just like that to come and end the whole thing. But Jesus willingly gave his life, his perfect life, as a sacrifice to pay the payment that your debt, because of your sin, owed to God. 
but instead of you having to spin your wheels every day to pay that debt off, God, was I good enough today? God, did I sing good enough in church today? God, did I, did I do enough? Did I read my Bible enough this week? Instead of living in this cycle of guilt and shame, Jesus paid the debt and you are set free. That's good news for anybody here today who was born into sin. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11, uses the exact same word for slave that Paul uses here in 1 Timothy. Listen to what it says. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, a doulos, a slave, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow on, in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That word there where he says, Christ is Lord is the same word used for master. See guys, now that we come out of our slavery to sin by believing in Jesus, now we enter into a new type, which is calling Jesus our Lord. And some of you go, well, Brandon, I don't like that. Can't I just be free? Well, sure you can, but you're going to be free without Jesus. You're kind of just like free, like Evie would be free in an antique store. Yeah, you're free, but it's going to get messy and expensive. Right here, I want you to listen to the words of our master, Jesus. Listen to the master, Jesus, whom we call Lord, what he invites you into. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 and 30. The master says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And how many of you want that, Master? See, guys, it's not a matter of, are we in slavery? We're all in slavery to our sin. Spiritually, the question is, will we believe in Jesus and come to him who has the ability to be our master, who is loving and caring and will take away our burdens and give us rest? But guys, once Jesus redeems us, he redeems us to also redeem our city. We don't get to stop just with a redeemed life. Because listen, you know how you redeem Fredericksburg? You don't redeem Fredericksburg by changing all the museums and the history. Like, that stuff might be good. There might be a place for that. But listen to me. This is how we redeem Fredericksburg. We redeem Fredericksburg by watching one life at a time be redeemed by following Jesus. Fredericksburg will not be redeemed by playing politics or by doing whatever our preferences are. 
Fredericksburg will be redeemed by one after one hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ and letting the gospel take their heart of stone and replace it with a heart of flesh. We don't change cities by big tent revivals and by, by big shows and events. We change cities by one soul at a time coming to know Jesus Christ. Because you can't follow Jesus and be a racist at the same time. It's impossible. We don't redeem a city with man-made techniques. We redeem a city by us being redeemed and bringing that redemption to the campus of Mary Washington, to downtown Fredericksburg, to the campus of Germana Community College, to Spotsylvania County, yes, even across the bridge, to Stafford County. That's how we redeem Fredericksburg. One soul at a time, following Jesus, until everybody's heard and every knee will bow and every tongue will confess, Jesus is our master. And we come to him because he will exchange our burdens for light ones and our heavy yoke for a yoke that is easy. Hi, Pastor Brandon here. Thanks again for listening to our Impact Church Sermon Podcast. If God has spoken to you today or you have a prayer request you'd like to share, please email us at hello at impactfxbg.church. If you're local to the Fredericksburg area, we would love to see you for worship in person. But if not, please let us know if we can help you find a gospel-centered church right where you're at. Feel free to connect with us on Facebook or Instagram and on our website, www.impactfxbg.church. Until next time, keep living the dream.